0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a fifteen hundred dollars first bet offer on your first wager.
1: Get
2: your popcorn ready. It's game time, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a team that is known as Stoppers. The Athletic
0: presents Hogan Johns.
1: Every single play, go take it. Bring that juice. Let's go get it. Come on.
3: Chicago's best Bears coverage. Go Bears. Go Bears. From NBC Sports Chicago. It's Adam Hogue. The Bears angst in general. Everybody's like angry about it, I feel like. Just relax. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns.
2: This is just how it is. It's a range of emotions. It's a range of feelings and hot takes.
3: Here they
1: are. Fiery, feisty, and frequently ill-tempered.
3: The Adams, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in. What a week. It's not over yet, but yeah. yes.
2: And we're back, because there's, there's more going. to talk about. It's only Friday morning. It's a full day ahead of us, Adam. Who knows what, what's ahead for us and the Chicago Bears, but yeah,
3: I feel good. Good morning. Yes, it's uh, it's Friday morning, and uh, you know what? We, we are going to put the press conference stuff to bed here. We still have a few things to get to, um, especially because the Bears decided to put George McCaskey on the radio yesterday and gave more things... To for us to discuss, but uh, hey, there's also some football this weekend that I'm excited about, and we're going to talk a little bit about the games this weekend as well towards the end, but um, plenty to discuss. Adam Hogue, Adam Johns here with you, and because Kevin wasn't on with us earlier in the week, Kevin Fishbane is here for the entire podcast today. What's up, Kevin?
4: What's up, guys? Yeah, I was going to say, we're we're wondering if anything else is going to happen. I think we've learned that... The Bears don't want to change anything. So what what could happen today?
2: Well, we're going to collaborate
4: on a podcast. Oh, I love collaborating.
2: <laughs> There's some collaboration
3: that's going to happen.
4: The Hogan John's podcast. You know what I love about it? The culture. There is some good culture on this podcast from producer Kent Garrison down to the, you guys. I think I help the culture. You know, and we collaborate I mean I mean like and the four of us have won just as many playoff games as the Bears in the last decade. Wow, this
3: is a strong start. And uh, <laughs> and uh, you know what? I think there was no better example of the collaboration than our podcast on Wednesday. And specifically, I want to give a shout out to Kent Garrison, our producer, because we got so many compliments on that open. It it was really good. So we do need to we do need to start the podcast with uh, a standing ovation for Kent. He did a good job. Um, I, I'm not gonna lie, because we didn't know. I didn't. We didn't know what the open was gonna be, and so uh, until after we recorded. So when I flipped that on after I think Johns you sent a text, <laughs> and I, just those first like ten seconds, I'm like, oh my god, this is awesome.
2: <laughs> like once you hear like the. That that song by Johnny Cash is such a like everybody knows it, right? The, the distinct opening to it, the the, the 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 guitar, yeah. And it it's there's an emotional reaction attached to that song, I think, for a lot of people. It's just, well, well done, Kent. Well done. Yes, it was very good.
3: Have we gotten the
1: quarterback situation completely right? No. Have we won enough games?
3: No. Everything else is there.
1: I think we haven't won enough under the leadership of George McCaskey.
3: That's what we got to discuss today, guys. Um, Kevin, glad you're here. There's plenty to get to. Uh, That second clip you just heard there uh, was from George on the radio yesterday with Waddle and Sylvie. uh, As George talked to, uh, he went on both ESPN 1000 and the score yesterday, the day after the uh, much-talked-about press conference conference. On Wednesday, and there was one thing in particular. Well, first of all, guys, uh, any any thoughts in the last you know twenty four forty?
2: I, I, I was like, I guess there was some partial surprise that he was, you know, going through the media car wash. He went on ESPN. He went on the score. Like, it's not completely uncommon after big news conferences for. I don't know, representatives from teams and coaches and whatnot to to do that. We've seen it before from the Bears and other, you know, teams in this city. So I wasn't surprised by that, but I was surprised because of the backlash there there (laughs) there was from the news conference. Like it was bad. Like why are they like my my initial most visceral reaction was why are they doing this to him? Like why why is George volunteering himself for tribute? (laughs) In this yes. case, like, what is he doing? Like, I, I I had some pity in a sense, but he went with it.
4: Yeah, it just represented a total lack of awareness. Uh, you know, I heard you, you guys talked on the podcast uh, the other day about how that press conference is always going to be a lose lose. But there are ways where you can get yourself like little PR wins. Like, you can find a way to say things and structure things so you get like these little victories. And they just made things worse. So you know, I I think the problem was you know the only thing that Bears fans got out of those interviews, I think they were excited to hear someone like Sylvie ask the questions the way he did, and then and then Danny Parkins on the score, you know, so I, it's like they get you know they they're that gets them riled up, but George didn't provide any answers that made anybody feel any better. It was it was really a regurgitation of what we had heard, which I understand from George's perspective why he's going to do that. He's going to stick to the company line. My problem was with the company line and why they decided to trot that out two more times uh, on Thursday.
3: Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on this. Um, But I want to start with Sylvie's questioning because I liked where he went. I, I felt like coming out of the press conference, George did not understand why people were questioning the structure questioning Ted Phillips and Sylvie really focused on that and he said it here on our, our podcast when he was here you know a month ago or whenever that was six weeks ago and said that you know Ted was the guy that he's focused on. So that's not that's not a secret. And so he was questioning Ted's role in all of this and this was a part to me. From the interview that we pulled that I particularly found i'm gonna say alarming to be honest and and this is it. I've never accused Ted
2: of meddling, but like what you just said that you and Ted, the decision making process was ongoing. like why is Ted involved? He's had twenty one years, you've not won a Super Bowl, you've been to one. You're a big Chicago sports fan. Things didn't change with the Blackhawks until Rocky changed the structure. Things didn't change with the Cubs until they changed the structure with Tom Ricketts. Why are you apprehensive to move Ted off to the side and to let someone else be your president?
1: Well, I think in both the case of the Blackhawks and the Cubs, it wasn't so much the structure as the people they brought in. And I don't know all of the intricacies intricacies of the situation, but I think in the Cubs case, they did what they needed to do to get Theo Epstein uh, to come aboard. Uh, and it worked out great. I mean, I'm a Cubs fan. I, I was thrilled with the result, but I don't think it was uh, so much the structure as the people within the structure.
2: Were you, have you Were you thinking at all about putting in a call to Theo
1: to at least advise you? No.
2: Why not?
1: Well, we thought we had uh, good advice uh, from people we trust. Um, I've I've met him once. I don't can't say that I really know him. Um, have probably a far better relationship with uh, Tom Ricketts um, than anybody else at the Cubs. So um, we, we felt good about the people that we conferred with when we made our decision.
3: He made Sylvie's case for Sylvie. The Cubs did exactly what Sylvie's asking about. Because it was phrased earlier in the interview. Move Ted over to the side. Just like the Cubs did with Crane Kenny. Crane Kenny's still there. He's still running all the business. They moved him aside. And as George said, the Cubs did everything they could to get Theo
2: Epstein. The people in place. The right people in place. Ah. Uh, I, I don't know why, like, the, the follow-up that, that Sylvia had to, like, did you talk to Theo Epstein? Like, I, I get there's some, like, it's just very Chicago-centric. Like, seek out the advice from the other teams. Like, I put it in a column, uh, gosh, two months ago. Like, it could be beneficial for, for you, George McCaskey. Like, I, I don't know why that bothers me that he just flat-out said no. Like, Never that's thought. Why, about it that's something. why that's why here's
3: what bothers me. Not only did he say no, you only met Theo Epstein one time in the almost decade he was here in Chicago.
4: You're you're the owner of the Chicago Bears. And a diehard Cubs fan. That's a- you would you would think just even as a fan, he would take advantage of his you know standing in this town to just go hang out with Theo.
3: Eddie Vedder basically lives in Theo's basement.
4: He's still there, I
2: think.
3: Just because he's a fan, I, I, I you one time,
2: you met Theo Epstein one like that. That blows my mind. It, it, that shouldn't even be an excuse, because like, like to Kev's point, like I'm, George McCaskey doesn't strike me as a guy that would use his standing to like personal benefit. At least not overzealously, right? This doesn't strike me as that guy, right? But. Who cares if you met him one time? The guy ended a 100-year championship drought in this city, a team that's been cursed. I don't believe in that, but you get my point. There, he did it with the Red Sox, just in terms of seeking advice on how to run a sports team. And like, Who cares if you met him one time? The guy ended two long-standing, famous championship droughts in Boston and in Chicago, like, there's some advice there. There's something to be gained just by having a cup of coffee with him, even if it's over Zoom. Like, that's – yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. That that kind of was upsetting.
3: <laughs> he's – Theo Epstein, is he going to be the most celebrated figure in Chicago sports history when it's all said and done? Like, he's up there with George Hallis, right? Right. He could run for president and probably win, and like you will not even talk to him. Like I, I, that's. But I want to go back to the questioning too, and the way it was answered about the structure, because it shows a lack of awareness for even what the Cubs did. He answered Sylvie's question by essentially. Providing the game plan for what exactly Sylvie wants him to do, I, and he didn't seem to understand. He didn't seem to understand how that's connected. I, I it was, honestly, I was like disturbed listening to it. Am, am I, I, I? Maybe I'm wrong here.
2: No, I, no like I, th- I think, we, think can we can all agree th- that Ted th- Phillips th- isn't th- th- this meddlesome. Like he doesn't. Walk into Ryan Pace's office and say do this, that, and the other. Like that, that's not happening. I think we can all agree on that. I think George gets so defensive about that aspect of the conversation that there's a failure to realize that yes, we all we all get that, but it's about him being involved in the decision making prog- prog- uh, process that results in your football decision maker. That's what Sylvia was getting on, and him and Tom Waddle talked about that. For a few minutes, right after the the conversation, I think Tom Waddle actually hit that point home again, drove that point home again and again and again. It's, yeah, I, I don't know why
4: they put him through the car wash again. I I don't. It's... Well, you know, and I, I tweeted this after the interview that, um, you know, as Johnsy said, like, ah, look, Ted Phillips has not gotten in the way of a single football move, uh, in the Ryan Pace era. You know, he gave the thumbs up to the Cleo Mack. You know, signing or and trade, and you know, like that, that hasn't been an issue. The, the problem is that he's got, you know, why, why, why? My question would be, why can't George McCaskey hire a GM on his own? Like, why does he need? Why does he have to have? Like, he can have consultants and advisors and whatnot, but I don't understand that extra layer when that layer is somebody that has not helped you pick general managers that have brought success to the Bears. Which then brings me to my next point. Why was Ted Phillips involved in the press conference on Wednesday to begin with? Like, that to me was such a slap in the face to Bears fans. Like, as a reporter, I don't care. I I don't mind having Ted up there. Frankly, he was much more interesting than George McCaskey. He gave us the quote of the day, you know. Accidentally to my question. Like, I mean, I texted John's during the press conference. I'm like, George isn't saying anything to our questions. Let's start peppering Ted. But
1: have we gotten the quarterback situation completely right? No. Have we won enough games? No. Everything else is there.
4: As I tweeted, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? Like, it, I, I, it, it's, it, I just don't understand, like, the, you, George McCaskey said it. He knows Ted Phillips' reputation in town. Everybody in that building knows what Ted Phillips' reputation is in town. And I'm not here to say that that's a fair reputation or a fair criticism. I'm here to say you have to understand what that looks like to your paying customers. And to put him up there with these other people, you're saying, hey, this guy, we are totally fine with everything this guy does. And it's almost like It it, it reeks of, we don't care what you think about our team. That's
3: what I want to get at next. That exact point. Because, look, and I know, look, there's people at House Hall listening to this right now. And I think those people know we are reasonable here on this podcast.
4: Uh, Johns goes off the rails sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes. I'm not
3: going to swear today. I go off the rails. <laughs> you did swear the other day. I did, I did. But look, I, we're not fire everybody, people. I don't, I don't, I'm not a fire everyone
2: type of guy. That's just not how I handle it. Like we, in, in our last podcast, we understand why Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are back. Like, I thought that's the podcast we yeah. were doing this week. I thought I was going to sit here and be defending the moves.
3: But for George to go on the radio, and it opened with him being asked if he had any regrets about the press conference. Which is the one thing that has united this entire fan base like I've never seen them united before. That it was a disaster. It just was. There's no debate about it. And for him to say, well, we knew no one would be happy. That gets at what you're just talking about, Kev, that they just their their attitude was, well, we know nobody's gonna like this, so we're just gonna get up there, take the bullets. That can't be your attitude. You you still need to try and we said this the other day. There are reasons to defend this move. You could have done that. Try to inspire some hope. And when he says, another thing he said yesterday, I I actually forget which interview it was at this point, but he said, we won't know if we made the right decision until until September. (laughs) When Ryan Pace drafted Mitch Trubisky, which was an unpopular move criticized at the time by a lot of people because of the draft picks that were traded, he didn't get up there And say, well, we'll find out in four years if this is the right move. He spoke with passion. He spoke with conviction. And he gave you reasons to believe him. He inspired some hope in Mitch Trubisky. Enough that the fan base, enough of the fan base got excited about a controversial move. They were willing to give Mitch a chance. Because Ryan Pace inspired some hope even though it wasn't popular. In this case, not a popular move, nobody inspired any hope, everybody's upset, and nobody's giving these guys a chance. Honestly, that's not fair to your general manager and head coach that you just decided to, to keep.
2: There's things, like, people don't, didn't like this season, but there's parts of this season that I think people, well, they did like. David Montgomery reaching 1,000 yards. The way Cole Comet was running over people at the end of the year. The way Roquan Smith played for most of this season. Jalen Johnson's first eight games.
4: Don't forget George McCaskey's favorite player. Darnell Mooney. But, like,
2: that's the point. Like, Kevin's on fire today. Yeah. yeah. Like, Darnell Mooney should not be the only player mentioned by ownership in this. Like, uh, Bilal Nichols, like, there's.
0: Well,
4: yeah. and and, and Hog to, to kind of your point, and, and I brought this up on a radio show um, this week. If I if you want to play full cynic, right? You before that press conference, there, there's there's this idea that the Bears are the number one team in town. They are always going to be the number one team in town. We all know about the season ticket waiting list, right? When if you know I, I hope to heck that this world's in a, in a place where there's fans in the stadium in the second weekend of September next year, and we all know that place is going to be full and it's going to be rocking, right? We all know that Bears merchandise is going to fly off the shelves. We all know how much TV money the Bears are going to get in the next TV deal. So again, I don't like to think that someone like George McCaskey. Uh, operates in a way with this in mind because I think we know him as, on a human level well enough to know that this is just not the way he thinks. We know what a fan he is. But the way that they were so stubborn gives uh, allows someone to think, well, they know they're going to continue making a, so much money no matter what they do that they can get away with doing nothing. And, and, and again, I'm not saying that that is their strategy. I'm not saying that's George McCassey's strategy. I'm just saying that when you trot out those four decision makers and you provide no single concrete example of what's going to be different, then you are essentially allowing fans to think, well, you guys know you're going to keep you know taking money hand over fist so what do you care how bad the team is and that and and i know they don't want that reputation to stick but they did not provide any reason for it to not
2: that might not be the truth but it's the perception right yeah exa- exactly it's, it's and exactly. it's the, the growing reputation and that in itself is sometimes perception just becomes reality even though it may not be true come on look at the world we we live in it, it's just
3: <sighs> that's why i cannot i i cannot believe that the, the game plan was just, all right, guys, collaboration and culture. Let's keep pounding that in. You heard our voicemails on this podcast two days ago. The fans think you're collaborating to suck right now. That's what they think. That's what they think. So prove them wrong. At least try to. Is it, Be prepared to defend the moves you made. Inspire some hope. I keep coming back to that. They just failed so miserably at giving their fans a
4: reason to believe. I I understand Ryan Pace is not going to tell us their quarterback plan. I'm fine with that. I know he's not going to go out there and say, and certainly George is not going to go out there and say, well, these guys told us that they're going to make a big aggressive move for... Player X and free agency, and and it's going to be priority in the first three rounds of the draft. Like, I get that. From a competitive standpoint, you can't really do that. But you, we all know that, like, in those 48 hours, it certainly seemed like Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy had to sell themselves. They had to sell what their plans are for 2021. So, like, could you not give us a morsel? Could you not tell us that, like, hey, you know, here's one. George could have said... Based on what they told us about their plan to attack the quarterback position aggressively, we believe that they're the right guys to do it. Bingo. I just I just won a PR award. For because all he just said, well, we we know how they collaborate. Last time they collaborated on a quarterback, they brought in Nick Foles. And I'm glad John Z asked that question. Here's the thing. Matt Nagy, like this is all they're banking on right now, right? That Matt Nagy's gonna be involved in drafting a quarterback. Like that is the number one Example of something is going to be different. And it's only different because it's new. It's never happened before. <laughs>
3: yeah, they didn't let the head
4: coach have any say last time. <laughs> right, right. So, like that—that's going to be—that's the thing they're hanging their hat on. Which, fine. But you know, give us just—you uh, know—I should say us, because again, as like as a reporter, like I mean, you guys can say whatever you want, and I'm going to have my take on it. But to the pe- you know, to the fans, like give them something that was told to you. By the general manager, head coach, in those forty-eight hours where we had no idea what was going on, that tells you it was the right decision to, to bring them back. Because oh, and like as you guys talked about this week, none of us are surprised that Ryan Pace and Mad Nagy are back. No, it's that's not the issue. It's that there, like there, there was no reason that the, the, there was nothing told that can inspire any kind of hope that that things are going to change. I was and, just
2: thinking about, go ahead, Kevin. Well,
4: just to finish up. And that's the infuriating part because you know that they talked about change. They had to be sitting there Monday and Tuesday going through plans about what's going to be different and they just refused to talk about any of it. Like, tell us that you decided to change the the uh, your 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 water bottle uh, choice in the building. That you're changing the, 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 you're doing a new paint job. I don't know. Pick something. Yeah, I was just thinking about.
2: We've covered a lot of. let's Use the word unique news conferences, press conferences, from the Bears since we started covering this team. Have, have we not? Like since twenty mm-hmm. yeah. twelve. Just, just. I, I'm just thinking about it. Like the whole Mark Trestman era, the the Jay Cutler benching day to the Brandon Marshall like handing out papers day to, or when he's throwing ties and t shirts to people to. The Phil Emery farewell, it's just to the Virginia McCaskey, my mom's pissed off press conference. Like, what is – to to Wednesday, like, oh, my gosh. Like, I'm not going to swear, guys. I'm not going to swear. But Do it. <laughs> what the fuck is happening? Like, it's just, <laughs> I was just thinking about that. Like, since 2012, some of the most – I think unique is a safe word here but like but this was the worst one out yeah, of all those it's just like there it's just been so so many bizarre things <laughs> you know what I'm talking about
3: right Kev but and I'm you like know, you know what the George say, delivering that line that year about how his mom was pissed off that's
4: what we're talking about How about what George said yesterday about Anthony Miller? (laughs) That was strong. That was like the most critical I've ever heard George McCaskey be about anybody.
3: Well, it's nice to hear somebody's pissed off about that, though, isn't it? Yeah. That was an embarrassment. That's what people want to hear. They want to hear somebody. They don't want to hear the, the, the... To come back yesterday, and the first question is, do you regret anything about the worst press conference in the history of the team, and you just say no? No, we knew everyone was going to be mad anyway.
4: My goodness. It was amazing, though, this idea that uh, when Sylvie asked about the culture. It was like four days ago, you had a wide receiver ejected for going after the same specific guy you told everyone not to. Oh, by the way, you had another receiver ejected for doing the same thing eight weeks earlier. Like, how? you know, I'll will I'll throw you guys a question that um, I was asked on uh, uh, by Dan Bernstein on the score. Um, he asked, he goes, "Do you think that George and Ted's view of the culture is kind of skewed by the relationship that Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy have with each other and with ownership? Like, do the Bears have?" a good like actually have a good culture and I and I sometimes I bristle at like using that all encompassing word but I thought it was an interesting point because we know how much mutual respect there is between the ownership and Pace and Nagy that was not there in 2014 that's why those guys got fired a part of the reason they got fired so I wonder like does George McCaskey really have a, a sense of that locker room and I'm not sitting here saying that that locker room was frayed But I think we all saw a a team that lacked discipline. We heard the starting quarterback point out that the culture was a problem.
3: Oh, I forgot about that.
4: George didn't know about that. Well, why? Why should you know? That's not important to tell the chairman of the team.
3: No, but that that he said that on the radio. He did not know that Mitch said that on Sunday. So he. You had a press conference where you rant, you went on and on about how great your culture was. You didn't know the starting quarterback had a problem with the culture. What are we doing here? That was an, I didn't even have that written down. I forgot about that. That was that was another thing that happened yesterday that was unbelievable. Yeah,
4: but I, I just thought that was an interesting question because again, I, and again, it's not to say that they don't have good leaders. I think we all know this team has some really good leaders, some really good voices in that locker room, and. Um, you know, and that should be noted. But I, I wonder if the uh, the whole talk from ownership about culture is is warped by their relationship with Pace and Nagy. It's probably also
2: warped by what they've experienced yep. over the past ten years. Of course, the 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 Emery Tresman era stands out. You know, and it's part of that is also the the players on that team who were lovey loyalists who who couldn't get on board with Mark Dressman. and and the John Fox era. As much as he cleaned things up, there are still problems there. Let's not forget about the, the friction with him and Vic Fangio. So, like, there's recent history probably still reflected in in their minds here about culture and, and bad stuff going on in the locker rooms and behind the scenes and whatnot and. But at the same time, that doesn't mean the culture you have right now is exactly working to the point where games are being won. Isn't that the whole point of all this anyway? Like, it's,
4: I, I, I I beg to differ because it certainly seemed like that three uh, – maybe does. Maybe wins do matter because it certainly seemed like that three-game win streak against three last-place teams weighed a lot heavier on the minds of George McCaskey and Ted Phillips than a six-game losing streak. Your team had – was one of three teams with a six-game losing streak in the entire NFL. It was the first six-game losing streak in 18 years. You got embarrassed on national TV three times in that six-game losing streak, including to your rivals, and then you capped it off by blowing a fourth-quarter lead to the Detroit Lions. That, and again, I don't think we were necessarily sitting there on Wednesday being like, well, you should have fired these guys because that six-game losing streak. That wasn't the point of that rant that just went on the point is it certainly seemed like the three game win streak against three last place teams was a lot more important ownership than the six game losing streak what happens next year by the way guys if they lose four in a row and then win three in a row and finish eight and eight like they just set the precedent that that's okay as long as you show good collaboration good culture and you you know you find a way out of the losing streak i mean they better get off to a good start again next year because
3: their track re- record is they're not going to fire anybody midseason. Just imagine
0: if they're not winning games early. Whew. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode
2: of the Hogan Johns podcast is presented by the incredible Helix Sleep. The Helix lineup offers 20 unique mattresses, including the award-winning Lux collection. They have mattresses designed for big and tall sleepers and even a mattress made just for kids my kids have them so how will you know which helix mattress works best for you take the helix sleep quiz and find your perfect mattress in just under two minutes then your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door free of charge you should see it come out of the box it's pretty cool Helix knows there's no better way to test out your new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they have a 100-night trial and a 10 to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Everybody is unique. Helix knows that. Everybody sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from. They have models with memory foam layers to provide pressure relief if you sleep on your side and others that cradle your body for support in stomach and back sleeping positions. They also have enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. I took the Helix Sleep Quiz, and I was matched with the Midnight Lux mattress because I wanted something that felt just right because I tossed and turned all night long. Helix helped stop that. Don't want to take my word for it? Helix has been awarded the number one mattress by GQ and Wired Magazine. It is even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Adam and use code HELIXPARTNER20. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Go to HelixSleep.com slash Adam. Use code HELIXPARTNER20. Okay, guys. Well, totally lost in
3: the news of the week is that uh, Chuck Pagano retired. I feel bad for Chuck. Chuck had such a great coaching career. And Wednesday it was like they officially announced his retirement like an hour or whatever shortly after the press conference. And it just got totally washed away. It was just not what anyone wanted to talk about or hear about. Um, but Chuck Pagano, outstanding human being, great coaching career, both at the college and NFL level, and he deserved a proper send off. But the Bears now need to find a new defensive coordinator. What do you
2: think is going to happen here, guys? I don't know why they just can't promote Jay Rogers. That would be my first interview. might even be my only interview. Okay, maybe Sean, decide the, the safety's coach, who's been there for a bit, great football mind. But Jay Rogers' track record is extremely impressive. I, I feel like every year there's stories about some guy, the Bears sign, and he's got a career high in sacks or is making big plays at big moments, like every, every year. And it's like the undrafted guys, like Roy Robertson-Harris, he's developed. His track record's there. Another good defensive mind. Everybody respects him in the building. Just do it. Promote the guy.
4: And he knows what allowed Vic Fangio's defense to be so successful. You know, he worked with Vic for those four years. Um, so he has that experience. Uh, I think it's kind of interesting that Jay Rogers was a quarterback when he played and he coached quarterbacks. It might give him just a, a, a unique sense of the offense as he's game yeah. planning. Um, but yeah, as John T said, you go through the list, you know, Roy Robertson Harris was an undrafted outside linebacker in college, and it's gonna get paid in a couple months. You look at what Bilal Nichols has done as a fifth rounder out of Delaware, Eddie Goldman, um, Akeem Hicks. I mean, Akeem Hicks came here as just uh, you know, kind of just a guy when they signed him. And look where he's at. Um I like Mar- some of
3: the vet the, the random veterans too. Yeah, I think Brent you're about Urban, to say Mario Edwards. Mario
4: Edwards Jr., John Jenkins. Go back to Mitch Unrine. I mean, Mitch Unrine got paid in Tampa. After a pretty good year here,
3: Nick Williams. Yep, Big Nick. That's not what they call him, actually. But he he came in and uh, didn't he lead the team in sacks last year? He did in twenty nineteen.
4: I believe so. And he also in Detroit. That that was somebody who hadn't started a game in like five years. Yeah. Um. Here's here's the thing that you know just from. From talking to people, the, the the question I've been getting is, does does is with how important this year is going to be, does Matt Nagy want to have a first time coordinator? And and the trade off is, if it's Jay Rogers or Sean Desai or you know Towns Townsend, Mark DeLeon, you know the guys on the staff, the your trade off is, well, you're going to have less turnover on staff if you promote one of those guys. So it should be kind of a more seamless transition. But you're also going into what we all expect to be kind of a make-or-break year with someone who's never run a defense before.
2: My counterargument to that thought process is Chuck Pagano. Because with all due respect to Chuck Pagano, yeah, you're right. the guy has decades of experience, and there's a lot of holes to poke through what the Bears did not only this season but last season. And then I would point to Brandon Staley, the guy that you used to have in your building, and tell myself, let's not be afraid to give the young guy a chance. Yeah, Like, I was a young head coach. I was given a chance by Ryan Pace. Maybe Jay Rogers. Sean Desai. Deshaies Townsend. Maybe they got something that we need to ask about and learn about before we go for that more seasoned guy in the open market. Don't forget that Mark DeLeon
3: was in Kansas City yes. with yep. Matt Nagy before, and obviously it's a guy Nagy liked because he brought him here. Um, so, yeah, I'm with you guys, and and I think as I look at those that list, I mean, Jay Rogers has the most experience of those guys, and um, I also like what you said, Kevin, about his history as a quarterback, understanding you know the what the quarterback's looking at, how to play against that. That's, that can, that's really important. So I, I, that, that is something that if it happens, that uh, totally, I guess made we've made it clear here, this podcast would support it. We think it's a good idea. Now the interesting nugget I was not aware of until Ian Rappaport tweeted it this morning is that his contract is set to expire. Um, so that can also play a role. That tells you that, And I think the other nugget in there was that Jay Rogers is getting some attention as a defensive coordinator around the league. It shows you that he's qualified. Um, But it also tells me that if you do not promote him, it sounds like there's a very good chance you might lose him. And all those things we just said about the defensive line, then that creates another problem. That's got to factor into the decision-making.
4: And and that goes into the the part about you got to move quick. I mean, right now, the Titans are interviewing defensive coordinators. Uh, the Falcons looks like they're going to hire Arthur Smith, so that process is going to start. And he's an offensive guy like Nagy, so he's going to be looking at a similar pool, you would think, to what Nagy's looking at around the league if you're going outside the building. He might look at someone like Jay Rogers. All these other teams, when they start to fill their spots, the Bears going to have a lot of competition. But where do you guys stand? you know, Everyone's like, why would anybody want to come to the Bears in this situation, and be coordinator. Uh, here's an idea: you get to come work with all of those dudes that they have on the defense. And if the team is bad, it's probably not going to be your fault. So, like, I understand like you don't want to get in a situation where you're a coordinator for one year and the entire staff is fired. But there's there's a very good shot that you know if the Bears go seven and nine, eight and eight, they'll have a top ten defense, and you can go back into the interview pool and say, hey, I just ran a top ten defense. And it's not my fault that I got that uh, everybody got fired. I think that could work for uh, people that want to be a defensive coordinator.
3: Just probably I would I would rent and not own.
4: Yeah, yeah. For a year, might be this the smart
3: financial move is all I would say to that.
2: It's the coaching life, though, isn't it? Yeah. Coaches sit out years. And Bill Lazor just sit out a year. Mark Elfridge sit out a year. <laughs> Pretty much everyone they've hired the last two years have sat out a year. Yeah. So again, so maybe don't go for. Somebody James who Petcher. sat out a year. <laughs> <Yeah>.
4: <laughs> I, I do wonder uh, how much letting Brandon Staley leave uh, kind of is on is on Matt Nagy's mind. Like, should I, should, you know, to keep somebody like Jay Rogers or Sean Desai because, like, he doesn't want, you know, he's like, okay, maybe it's good to bring somebody in that just can run the Vic Fangio defense who hasn't done you know this before in the NFL' cause look what Brandon Staley's doing. Obviously you can run into trouble because I think we've seen that Brandon Staley's really really good at what he does um but you know that that could be weighing on the head coach's mind as he tries to decide this.
2: I mean Brandon Staley's got some fantastic players at his disposal, but like you said, kev, they got some good dudes here still. they're healthy, they got one of the best pass rushers, they got one of the best young linebackers in the league. But the Rams two years ago were like the Bears this year. They
3: had good players. They weren't a terrible defense. But Sean McVay looked at the situation and said, we're not getting enough out of these guys. And I want to do what Vic Fangio's doing. I want to do what the Bears did when they kicked our ass at Soldier Field. You know, He looked at that and made that decision and found the right guy to get more out of what was a talented group of players. And so that's how you got to look at it. And I I agree with you. I, I mean, I I think that the situation's not ideal, but the players are. So if you're a if you're a possible defense coordinator, you can coach Khalil Mack. I mean, come on, you gotta feel pretty good about that. I'd want to know if Hakeem Hicks is coming back though,
4: because
3: potential cap casualty.
4: One thing to note too is, Ho. Oh, correct me if I'm wrong about this. The new rule is. Uh, Teams cannot block position coaches from interviewing uh, in other places like they could in the past. Yeah, there's a
3: separation between coordinator and assistant now.
4: Right, because in in 2019, the Bears did block a request from the Broncos to interview Sean Desai, and uh, you know, because they wanted to keep him, they wanted you know, they they wanted the opportunity to keep him, promote him to safety's coach. They did. Um, you know, now, if a team wants to interview Jay Rogers or wants to interview Sean Desai or any of these position coaches, the Bears the Bears cannot block it uh, anymore. As they Well, it out. sounds
3: like Rogers is going to be a free agent right. anyway. Right, so that, so yeah, that helps it takes case. that out of it. Well, it'll be interesting. Um, I'll, I guess I'll just say at this point, I'd be surprised if they don't make a hire from within. And I, I like the idea of promoting somebody who was here both under... In the Vic Fangio years, and in you know the last two years with Pagano, because I think that person would have a great idea of what was different and how you get more out of what they had before. And um, Rogers and Desai have both been here since Ryan Pace got here. Like that matters too. Desai has been here since. Trust me. Trust right him. Yeah. So, and y- our listeners are familiar because we've had him here, had him on the podcast before.
0: All right,
3: guys, football. There are teams still playing, and I'm excited about these games. Very excited, actually. Um, As we get started on Fox, 335 Saturday. That guy, Brandon Staley, we were just talking about. The Rams will be in Green Bay against
2: the Packers, and the Packers are a a six-and-a-half-point favorite. What's the forecast for this one? Because there's a lot of talk this week about snow and playing in snow for Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. A lot of these guys from California have not. So I, 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 that's one of those games where I think you have to watch it. Well, what's
3: interesting about that is I think when we look back on that Bears-Rams game that we just referred to in 2018... That was one thing we talked about that week leading up to the game and after the game how cold it was at Soldier Field. It wasn't really any weather, it was just cold, but that seemed to affect the Rams in that game. So I think it's a fair point. Um, looking up the forecast right now, tomorrow's forecast in Green Bay is cloudy with some snow showers, mainly during the morning. So don't know if that'll affect the game. Be a little windy. Temperatures
2: in the mid. 30, so not even like terribly cold. You can handle that. Yeah. Um, I still like the Packers. I I got them. I I think the Rams will keep it close. Again, Brandon Staley is doing a fantastic job, but that Packers defense is like I was impressed by it in the Bears' two meetings this year, even though the Bears' offense is what it is. Um, Packers by a touchdown. Not a high-scoring game, but Packers by a touchdown.
4: Yeah, I mean, I'm not picking against Aaron Rodgers in a home playoff game against Jared Goff. Um, I, 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 a broken thumb, <laughs> Jared Goff. Okay. I, I, will, I will say the one thing I'm curious about is if the Rams are able to keep the Packers out of the end zone early. You know, the Packers' run defense has been so-so. You know, just Cam Akers, is there an opportunity there for the Rams to do what the Bears tried to do? And, and just run it down their throats to make it interesting. What I'm curious to see guys is you know, everyone's talking about the Jalen Ramsey matchup against Devonta Adams. I wonder if that's one of those situations where if it is Ramsey just shadowing him, if Aaron Rodgers is like, All right, I'll just won't throw it to Devontae Adams all game. He'll understand. I'll throw it to him next week. And then Marquez Valdez, Stanley, and Big Bob Tanyan and um, you know, Alan Lazard all go off. Like I just I just I just wonder if Rodgers isn't even gonna bother Testing I mean, We've seen that before in Bears matchups where you know sometimes if like he won't go Kyle Fuller's direction certain times. You just he just might just might ignore him. Just find another way to beat him. And I think Rodgers will. This feels like um This kind of
3: feels like the opener last year between the Bears and Packers. Where the you had a, a really good defense that at least in that game played pretty well and held Aaron Rodgers down. Because let's not sell the Rams' defense short. They're number one in points per game. They're number one in passing touchdowns allowed. They're second in sacks. Uh, they're number one in yards per game. I mean, this is a really good defense. If there's a defense that can hold Aaron Rodgers down, it's probably this one. S- similar to kind of how I'm, you know, what game I'm talking about at Soldier Field that started the season in 2019, like the Bears. Played pretty well defensively. They, it was a low-scoring game. The problem was they had no offense. And that's where I'm worried. That That's where it comes in for me, the way I still think the Packers are going to win this game, is that I think their defense is good enough, especially at Lambeau. They were better at Lambeau Field this year than on the road. And I just don't see how the Rams are going to be able to score a lot of points. So um, I am actually going to take the Rams on the line, though. I think that they managed to cover, but the Packers do win by like four or five points.
4: Do you guys, do you know how many points, I'm just going to rattle this off quickly. This is about points the Packers scored this year. 43, 42, 37, 30, 10, 35, 22, 34, 24, 31, 41, 30, 31, 24, 40, 35. I know know the Rams defense is really, really good. Yeah, I know. We we made the biggest deal in the world, and maybe as we should, we covered the Bears about those four 30-point games in a row. The Packers did that twice this season.
1: (sighs) Have we gotten the quarterback situation completely right? No. Have we won enough games? No. Everything else is there.
3: That's a nut. What are you taking shots at the Packers for yesterday too, George? Come on. At what point are you getting so dominated in the rivalry that you just should stop doing that, probably?
4: Did you guys see a friend of the podcast, Jack Silverstein's thread uh, on Twitter about how the I've seen
3: it. I haven't had a chance to read it yet.
4: Yeah, I've I've gone through it a little bit. (laughs) And it made me think... That would have been uh, interesting if somebody asked George, have you considered moving your rival to be the Lions? To just give yourself a better better (laughs) shot, because... You, you seem to you seem to line up more with them than than Green Bay. Just like just just say, hey, the Packers are no longer our rival. Like it's just a regular game for us, at least until Aaron Rodgers leaves, and and put less pressure on those games, and then just focus on Detroit.
3: Mm. By the way, the Lions seem to be falling behind in their
4: coaching search. Doesn't it seem like it. Well, they just hired the GM yesterday, right?
3: Yeah. Anyway, uh, the night game tomorrow night, NBC seven fifteen, Ravens at Bills. Another uh, good game. In my mind, the Bills are two-and-a-half-point home favorites.
4: Well, this is the best game of the weekend.
2: Yeah. Keep talking. I want to check the over-owner on this one.
3: I'm going to take the Ravens, actually. As much as I like the Bills, um, I and I've kind of changed on this because I did have the Bills in the AFC Championship game I, originally. I I am starting to think the Ravens win this game. They've been playing so much better as of late. They, especially on the defensive side, like they're capable of holding the Bills down. And as much as the Bills have put things together this year, I don't know. It's It still feels hard to trust them. Maybe that's just the idea of trusting the Buffalo Bills that I'm struggling with. I'm not sure, but uh, I'm going to go with the Ravens. I actually think they, I think
2: they went outright. The over-under is 49-and-a-half. I'm going to take the over. I think this is a high-scoring game. I, I, I still like the Bills. Um, there's, there's, something special is happening there. I, I don't know how far it goes. Maybe it ends in, in the AFC Championship, but that's that's the vibe I, I get from just reading the stories, hearing what they're saying, seeing videos of them dancing during practice. There's a, a pretty good vibe going there, um, at least This season so far for the Bills, so I'm going to take them. I'm going to take definitely take the over this one, high scoring. Um, But yeah, a lot of questions about how the Bills defense can slow down Lamar Jackson. I don't know if they can, but I don't know if the Ravens can slow down Josh Allen and what they do with Stephon Diggs and whatnot. So, high scoring game, Bills by field goal.
4: As someone who took the over in Ravens Titans last week and saw that, you know. Uh, fail spectacularly. <laughs> I might stay away from that just personally. I'm glad I didn't write this or say it on any radio show. I just said it at a bar in Indianapolis when we were talking to our Bills writers. I said I'm worried you guys are going to have a a 2020 like the Bears had in 2019, where everyone's excited about Josh Allen's third year, and then it just doesn't pan out. Like I, I I and I I'm I am copied to that that I said that to our Bills writers, and I'm saying this in the podcast. I Did not necessarily believe that this was going to happen. And and credit to Josh Allen and Brian Dayball and Sean McDermott. They've been so fun to watch this season. Do I have to make a pick? Is that what we're doing here? Yes, that's that's Uh, how this works. Yeah, okay. Uh, Bills. Uh, No one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills.
3: That's the thing they say.
1: Just the tip there, Jim. Yeah, it wasn't enough.
3: On CBS with those guys, Jim Nance, Tony Romo. 205 on Sunday. Browns at Chiefs. The
2: Chiefs are a ten point favorite. Everybody's back, right? Like everybody's being cleared. Just the fans so back. Yeah. Yeah. Petonio is gonna be back. They're outstanding guard. Um, I don't know if it's enough. <laughs> I just wanna see a good game. Baker Mayfield versus Patrick Mahomes is a fun storyline. Even Mahomes said it himself, uh, today this morning you know they've, they've known each other for a long time so uh the chief like the chiefs are clearly going to win they're the considerably better team but you backdoor cover by the browns right late touchdown pull it within seven it's okay. not enough though i'll go with
4: that the uh the chiefs play a lot of close games like a lot more than you would think yeah uh and you know the way the browns run the ball baker played well last week I, you know they're they're, they're they're the ones playing with house money i I could totally see that the browns making it close but like the chiefs are kind of in control most of the game and like that that Brown's defense doesn't really do a whole lot for me so I'll, I'll, yeah um you know what i'll I'll take the chiefs I'll say the chiefs end up winning by two touchdowns
3: yeah our guy Nick Wright had a a good nugget this morning with the uh points per game allowed of uh, uh against teams that made the playoffs this year. And like the the top 5 or the worst 5, I should say, were like the Lions, the Dolphins, another bad team, and then the Browns. So the point being, when the Browns play good teams, they give up a lot of points. The Chiefs, you may have heard of their offense, Patrick Mahomes, the weapons they have. I think it's going to be hard for them to slow down this Chiefs offense. I do think that there's a sense of belief though. With this Browns team, though they, they sort of have this edge, like the total underdog mentality. It worked last week. Um, so I do think that they managed to keep this closer than than maybe you'd think, despite the fact that I do think they're going to struggle to keep Patrick Mahomes out of the end zone. So I, I think this line's where it should be. I'm going to take the Browns just barely to cover. But it's just kind of hard not to with their attitude right now. But I, I do think it's a game where the Chiefs are clearly the better team now you fucked up last game of the weekend Fox 540 Sunday Frank Caliendo had a you see his hilarious video on Tom Brady versus Drew Brees here with the
2: Morgan Freeman voice
3: yeah were they like creepily but also like scarily looked accurate like made Tom Brady and Drew Brees look like they're in their 70s and then it was a, a promo for the game read by Morgan Freeman, with the game airing on the History Channel. It was funny. If you get a chance, go find it on uh, on social media. But this is Bucks at Saints. Saints three point favorite.
4: Saints. Saints. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a really good Saints team. I, the Bucks do have like the type of run defense that I I feel like can make things pretty interesting. Um, but come on, who's who's betting against Taysom Hill? <laughs> that Saints defense is good. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they held the Bears Remember, uh, held the Bears out of the end zone for fifty nine minutes and fifty nine seconds.
3: It's impressive. It was in Tampa that they really started their run. They held Tom Brady at three points. I think I think the Bucks scored more than three points in this game. But um, better coach team, better defense. It is hard to beat a team three times in one season. That's the truth, but I do think the Saints pull this out. I think this ends up being a really good game, actually. I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up right on the number with the Saints like hitting a field goal at the end to win. So um, I guess in that case, I'll take the Bucks to cover, but Saints to win. How about that? All right, guys. Well, it would be nice to sit back and just enjoy the games this weekend. Spend some be. time with the family. Uh,
2: so I hope everyone can enjoy some football. Make some chili this weekend. Feels like a chilly weekend here in Chicago. Not the weather, but
4: crockpot chili.
3: Well, both. Yeah.
2: I'm
3: That's gonna. A good
4: idea. I'm going to rewatch the uh, Citrus Bowl.
3: Ah. Can't
2: go wrong with that.
4: Yep. You would. He
2: just had to just...
4: You, by the way, you know what the lead-in to... Uh, Chiefs-Browns is on CBS on Sunday? Northwestern? Northwestern-Iowa basketball. Uh, uh, on CBS? On CBS. Uh, 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 wow. Not excited about the national audience uh, checking out that game. but
3: be a lot of points scored, though. Yeah. All
4: right. And by I'll the way, if out. there's anything that Johns cares less about than college football, it's definitely college basketball. Definitely. True. Until
2: Mark Williams. <laughs> Right. Completely turning a bracket that's never going to work. Yeah. Because <laughs> I have no idea what I, what's going on. Nobody does. Okay.
3: um, All right. We're out of here. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns, at K Fishbane. We appreciate you listening, hanging with us all week. Uh, and please write and review the podcast. Please. Uh, we got stuff written. Those guys are on The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. You should be su- subscribed. I can say that word, subscribe. And uh, my stuff's up at NBCSportsChicago.com. Enjoy the football this weekend. We'll talk to you next week. See ya.
1: Have we gotten the quarterback situation completely right? No. Have we won enough games? No. Everything else is there.